You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You are locked on Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet and the show for fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. We're also, of course, on YouTube right now. Go subscribe and check us out there. Looking for a Sunday pregame show that talks about every game and every team in depth? Check out Locked On NFL Sunday Show live every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern. No sketches, no celebrity cameos, no fluff. We are just talking football every Sunday morning with host Cody Rourke, Cody Rourke and our buddy Ross Jackson. Follow and subscribe to Locked On NFL on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube. Don't forget to turn on notifications to be notified when the show goes live every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern. Andy Herman on the show today from Packaday Podcast and Packer Report. He is here for Expert Tuesday to talk about uh, the disaster on Sunday, what we need to take away from it, and what we can potentially look forward to when it comes to what is next for the Green Bay Packers. 16 games left. 16 games left. I did not paint a pretty picture of this team coming out of this game and you know, not without reason, obviously. They didn't play well. And so if you don't play well, this is this is just what is going to happen. It's the reality of the situation. I want to focus on the cornerback position again because it bears repeating. After I rewatched the game, and and this is something that I say a lot. And so longtime listeners of this are are, are they're probably not sick of hearing it because I haven't said it since 2018. It's never as bad as you think it is. Every once in a while, it, it is it is as bad as you think it is, but usually it's not. And and that doesn't mean it's not still bad. I mean, I rewatched the game and a couple times, unfortunately, because that's what I what I do. Um, defensively, it was just as bad as it seemed, and that's a big problem. And I think it's going to reignite this conversation about preseason and should the should these guys have been out there. It just. It just didn't seem like they were playing with any verve, any pace, any aggressiveness, any energy. And this is unfortunately a recurring theme for this team uh, in in these big road spots. And this was a neutral site game. There's mostly Packer fans there. And they were still not able to, to bring the necessary juice drink. There, there's, there's no reason... There is no reason for Kevin King to be on the field anymore. I don't know what else they need to see. We know what he is. We know what he's been. And we know what he's going to be. He gave up two completions on Sunday. Both were to Deontay Harris. Both were for big plays. And on both... He was nowhere near, nowhere near Deontay Harris. Elton Jenkins, who played left tackle and played left tackle really well, by the way, 
was the second highest graded left tackle in the league by Pro Football Focus, I believe. Kevin King had one tackle. There were a couple plays in run support where he was nowhere to be found on the edge. He doesn't seem to play hard consistently. Or maybe he does and he just, the athletic tools are shot. I don't know what else there is to see here. Eric Stokes was a first round pick. And I don't know how we can say that this situation was anything but mishandled in the preseason when you have a guy who is a young player who needs the reps in a new defense, who needs to play with Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos and Jair Alexander and Devondre Campbell and Chris Barnes and the guys that presumably are going to be in this offense beyond this year because Kevin King not going to be in this defense, excuse me, beyond this year. And in the preseason, he's not getting reps. So if he's a member of your core, why is he not starting? If you're not going to play a lot of dime and they're not going to play a lot of dime, I mean, he had one coverage rep. One coverage rep. That's not enough. It needs to be, at the very least, a rotation this week. You don't have to bench Kevin King right away. It's got to be a rotation. It has to be. You have to give Eric Stokes some shots to play. And, and if not this week, then when? Because this is a Lions team that does not have quality receivers. They do not have a quarterback that scares you. The, the, the offense, you know, they put up some points in the second half against San Francisco when the game was out of hand. And after the 49ers lost Jason Verrett, I don't know. I don't know what you would have to be scared about with this offense, at least through the air. So he's got to play. He's got to play. And there, we've run out of excuses here. We've run out of excuses. Eric Stokes has to be, if it's a competition, and Matt LaFleur said it was going to be a competition, it has to be a competition beyond more than just training camp. Because we have seen enough. And look, this is, to me, this is like, you know, USC fired Clay Helton as the head coach after two games. They get blown out by Stanford and he gets fired. And it's like, okay, if you were that close to firing him, you should have fired him eight months ago. And the Packers, if you're going to bench him, you should have done it eight months ago and never paid him to come back. Now, the signing bonus money is already paid out and it's spread out and he was done as an insurance policy. So if they couldn't find someone that they liked in the draft or someone who was a developmental prospect, let's say their best opportunity to draft a cornerback based on their board was you know, in, in the third or fourth round. Well, you don't expect that guy to be able to come in and compete. And so then you can justify the money. They found a guy who can play. And it's almost like Kevin King was out there week one playing the majority of snaps, the vast majority of snaps, playing all of the starter snaps to justify the contract that he was given. But he was given a, uh, a break in case of emergency contract. A, if we can't find any one contract, guess what? They found someone. And we don't know if Eric Stokes is going to be a great player or even a good player. But he looks to be a capable, competent, promising player. And at this point, this is not a... Well, if he's 80% as good, he should play, which, by the way, I think that's true, too. But this is a, I think Eric Stokes tomorrow would be a more reliable player than Kevin King is today. 
So what is the team waiting for? I don't think we're going to get a good answer for that, but I hope that you know, as practice goes on this week, they have the extra day. Matt LaFleur said um, Darnell Savage, who is hurt, um, th that extra day could help him get on the field of the shoulder injury, not expected to be long-term. And Josiah DeGuara in concussion protocol, it looked bad. It looked like he was knocked cold. Um, apparently, he's doing well and, and is in protocols. And, and I don't know, they're relatively optimistic. Dovetailing on that, Rashawn Gary is the same way. According to Pro Football Focus charting, he had 16 pass rush reps. 16. Now the, now the Saints only threw it 20 times. He got four pressures and two hits. That's one every four pass rush reps. He's getting a pressure. Not just a win, a pressure. That's really good. And, you know, I said on Twitter that that needs to be more. I, I said that before I realized that Jameis only threw the ball, you know, 20 sometimes. It's, it's going to be a lot more. He made impact plays in this game. He had the great third down stop. He had uh, the fourth down pressure on Jameis Winston where they complete that ball anyway. That was just a little bit of bad luck. Jameis makes a great play. Adrian Amos doesn't jump for the ball for, for reasons. I don't, I don't know. And Rashawn Gary gets credit for the pressure and the, and the hit and all that stuff. And it looks great in the stat sheet, but he didn't finish the play. And neither did Adrian Amos. That's how close they were. On that play from 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 flipping the game, potentially. I think he is going to be a bigger part of this defense and they need to find ways for him to be a bigger part of this defense. Zadarius Smith apparently came out of the game feeling good with the back injury. Preston Smith did some nice things. I thought he played well in the run game in particular, held up for the most part. And so they have three outside outside linebackers who can all play and, and play a role and, and give them something. But they didn't set the edge consistently. They didn't penetrate well enough. This was a game where no one on defense really did anything that particularly well. At least with Rashawn Gary, he plays hard. He plays freaking hard. And so I hope if they've, you know, if this is a game with the Lions, you know, you hope the Packers get up and that the Lions have got to throw it a bunch. And Jared Goff, you know, if Jared Goff throws it 50 times, you're going to win. Um, then, then you hope Rashawn Gary gets more like, you know, 30 pass rush reps in that kind of situation where he's getting a bunch of these opportunities to go get after, you know, a rookie offensive tackle who's had his, his struggles at times and a, a quarterback who struggles with some pocket awareness stuff, struggles with pressure. I want to see more of Rashawn Gary. Now, that is not a coaching problem. He played a lot um, and, and was in there uh, when it mattered. I'm just saying I want to see more of him because I think he could have an impact on this defense. If you're looking for reasons this defense can get better, swap that starts there. I'd like to see them against good offensive lines bring a little bit more pressure. We saw that in the NFC Championship game. The Packers were, were content to rush four and couldn't get home. And then in the second half, they started to bring pressure. They started to blitz. And all of a sudden, Tom Brady's throwing interceptions. I think they need to be willing to be a little bit more aggressive, uh, especially in situations where you're not getting pressure with four and your defense is getting beat. They need to find some things and they need to find it in a hurry. Matt LaFleur is, is uh, he, he's optimistic that they can do it. He said they had good communication after it, which may have been as simple as, effing fix this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, and, and that's fine too. Sometimes a coach needs to, you know, curse at somebody. Sometimes that's what you need. 
I, I don't know how Matt LaFleur can have a lot of confidence that he he got the right guy after the first game. But it also is incumbent on the players to make the plays work. And they didn't do that well enough either. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season with all the updated site and interface optionalities, odds, props, contests, betonline.ag continues to be your number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your additional deposit just for signing up for basketball to boxing, football, right to your Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook expert, and use the promo code Locked On to get that 100% deposit bonus. All right, let's bring in our guest for today on Expert Tuesday, Andy Herman from Packaday Podcast from Packer Report. You can follow him on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. And, and Andy, uh, week one did not go the way that I think you thought, that I thought, that most people thought it was going to go. So with some time to digest it, and we opened the show talking about it a little bit. And, you know, I always say it's never as bad as it seems. And it's usually never as it's usually not as good as it seems either when it when it looks really good. What what was what did you take away from the rewatch that maybe you didn't you didn't fully absorb the first time around? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I took away is that it was as bad as it seemed. Uh, You know, this is one of those instances where there really wasn't that much great to take away. I thought Preston Smith early in the game showed a little bit. I thought Elton Jenkins had a really nice game. Maybe they found a punter. Um, Other than that, whatever snack you had during the game was probably the highlight of the game. I I don't know. I think I think the the biggest takeaway that, that I've had thinking back on this is in the last 15 road games, there have now been five of these where they blatantly did not show up to the game and one or two times. Okay. A little bit concerning, but whatever, it's not a trend yet, but the third, the fourth, the fifth time is concerning. And I think even more concerning than that is one was an NFC championship game against the 49ers. The other was a huge matchup Brady versus Rogers that everyone hyped to oblivion. Like that was a huge matchup. And then it's opening week this week. And again, you don't get up to play the game. And I thought, you know, Matt Schneiderman uh, posted on Twitter. I thought he brought up a great point of, if you had, you know, not enough captain's badges to go around for a team like this, like, how does this happen? If you have that many leaders on your team, how do you not have someone that's like getting in people's faces and riling them up and getting them ready to play? Um, it's concerning that this has now happened five times in the last 15 road games. Yeah. And and not just the, the road game part of this, but when they lose, they lose in impressive fashion or whatever the opposite is right in glorious fashion in these games, they don't lose close games. Really when they lose, they just don't have it. They just get their asses kicked. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna draw some line between these uh, road game appearances, I feel like we have to do it with the, the context of when they lose, they lose poorly because it seems like when they're not ready to go, when they don't hit first, when they this is the that metaphor that's been we've been using for two years, right, Andy? Yep. When they get punched in the mouth, they don't punch back. No. 
And and I know, you know, people have used the the word, you know, front runner, or I guess two words front runner, but um, I, I don't know if that's fair. I, I half jokingly, but I'm not joking, said <laughs> if I were Matt LaFleur, I would not kick if I won the coin toss anymore. And I know I, people love the double up. I, I love the double up. I get it. But this is a team that offensively, when they're on rhythm and they're on pace and they're able to kind of call anything they want, they are incredibly dangerous. This is an offense that when they are behind, they seem to get on tilt immediately and start trying to get 31 points in one pass play, which is very difficult to do. Um, so I, I think they're almost better again, playing from ahead and playing to start while the game is still even. And I think this is a defense that plays much better. Well, we'll, we'll see with Joe Barry, but like the last few seasons plays much better when they are playing from ahead and the other, then the offense has to be a bit more predictable and is trying to get themselves back in the game. So I get kicking off and I get that it's probably, you know, statistically the better thing to do. I would flip it on its head. This is the, your bread and butter is your offense. Start early with it, get out to a good lead and let this team gain some momentum because they are a much more dangerous team when that takes place. Yeah. And, and it should be said that, that the, the analytic backing of deferring is let's say tenuous at best. I mean, the yeah. odds are, are very slim. And so I, I think, I think you're making a great point here. Um, don't worry, no one listens to this podcast, so no one will hear me agreeing with you on it. Just between us. But but I think I think you're you're bang on on that because this is this is a situation now where you want your defense to feel like they can dictate terms a little bit more, right? And and they feel like they they've been a little reactive. Um, this defense was supposed to be a change from the Mike Patton. We're gonna play dime, we're gonna sit back. And we're just going to let the offense do their thing and hope they make a mistake. Well, this was a, this was a game where the Packers did the same thing. The new defense looks a lot like the old defense. And to your point that, you know, you, you open the show starting, I don't know how many good things we have to take away from it. I, I watched this defense going, you know, there wasn't anything catastrophic really that happened, right? Except yeah. the, the one, the one play where Kevin King gets just like truck sticked by Deontay Harris, just runs right by him. That's going to happen because Kevin King athletically is just not there anymore. But there was nothing catastrophic about what happened with their defense. It was just no one played well. There was nothing good you can really say about this defense other than it's just one game. I mean, if that's the best thing that you could say, like that, that's that's really bad. Yeah, it felt like when I when I rewatched it, it felt like eleven individuals playing defense rather than a team playing defense. I think that's yeah. my biggest uh, criticism of it. Um, I also think that while you know there was the one explosive play when the game was was basically over already, death by a thousand paper cuts when you've got Aaron Rodgers in that offense is is almost worse. And I get the bend but don't break mentality you can't break and they consistently break. And that if you are bending and then breaking at the end, it is the worst of all worlds because now like it's almost better just to, you know what, have them get the explosive play and get your offense back on the field and start pounding away on their defense. Because especially in that heat, like that's the worst thing, like make Jameis Winston throw it deep to wide receivers who are unproven in this league um, rather than, you know, all the, you know, the short passes, all the short runs. And, and again, the death by a thousand paper cuts. So I, I thought that the, the, the philosophy was questionable. I thought the execution was way worse. Like at some point, at some point, 
it doesn't matter if you're playing cover two, cover one, four, three, three, four, anything in between or outside of it. If your front seven is getting pushed three yards, you know, past the line of scrimmage before they're even close to making contact, it doesn't really matter what scheme you're calling or who the defensive coordinator is. So there's definitely blame on players, coaches, preparedness, et cetera. But uh, yeah, there's just not much positive to take away, no matter which way you look at it. I do wonder about the defense and the preseason because I I, I agreed with the premise, hey, um, g- keep your guys healthy, and especially offensively. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need the preseason. I don't think Aaron Rodgers played poorly because he didn't play in the preseason. I don't think the offensive line had some gel issues because those guys played. Josh Myers played. Royce Newman played. Uh, Lucas Patrick played. The guys who played the worst on the offensive line, they played in preseason. But this defense... I, I just don't understand the, the deployment of it, especially someone like Kevin King. If he's going to play, what, four snaps when the game is actually in the balance and then, you know, some some garbage time snaps, why is he not out there in preseason? Eric Stokes, what, you mean? Or What did I say? King. Well, Kevin King probably needs the reps. <laughs> yes. But Eric Stokes, yeah, if, if Eric Stokes, if, if he is, is going to be your starter, I understand, okay, maybe you sit him. But if he if he is going to be your dime corner, why is he not playing? Why are you not getting a look at him so that if you do need him, he's had some opportunities? Because now, speaking of worst of all worlds, you have a guy who hasn't played in the preseason and now hasn't played in the regular season. And let's be honest, sooner than later, he's going to be starting opposite Jair Alexander and they're not going to have any track record to point to and say, hey, this is what we know we can count on this guy to do. Yeah, hopefully sooner and not later, uh, first of all. But uh, yeah, I'm with you in the fact that, listen, any of these guys playing 20, 25, 30 more snaps in the preseason, I don't think changes this game, you, you know, maybe ever so slightly, but not enough to overcome the way that they played in that game. I don't think it made that much of a difference. And it's a million times over a double-edged sword. We saw teams who did play guys that went down with injuries. Jacob um, Dobbins if, if, out for the year for Baltimore. Exactly. If, if Kenny Clark or any of these guys go down with a, a major injury because of snaps in the preseason, everyone's calling for Matt LaFleur and saying, what are you doing? These games don't matter. Yeah. So it is a million percent a double-edged sword, but you're Stokes point is spot on, right? Like if you're not going to be a, like a core core player, and especially if you are a rookie, like then get them snaps. And I think Eric Stokes is a great example of a player that needed more snaps. And, you know, eventually that could come back to haunt green Bay. We'll see how quickly he gets in. I still feel like what Matt LaFleur did in the preseason was ultimately the right way to go. Now, so do I. We'll see like if, if this happens again next year and they do the same thing and they get blown out week one, then yeah, maybe you're going to have to make some adjustments or something. But I, I don't, I don't think in, in my gut that this was due to not playing much in preseason. Cause again, Rogers, any of those guys who would have played what we're talking 30 snaps. ish, I just don't, I don't think it matters that much. Were you, were you surprised? I'll phrase it that way at how the Packers came out in this game because they came out early a lot of 11 personnel, but no Randall Cobb, no Amari Rogers. It was their three receivers from last year, a lot of shotgun. It was, it just didn't look to me like the Packers offense that we saw operating at its peak last year. And I was surprised we didn't see more Randall Cobb. I was surprised we didn't see more Amari Rogers. This, this to me looks like a 2019 game plan than a 2020 game plan. What was your impression of that part of it? it I don't know if they just got like, 
we want to show a bunch of unscouted stuff that we didn't do a season ago. Um, but at some point, like, especially early in the game, like maybe start by playing the hits a little bit, like start getting in a little bit of a rhythm, um, start by, you know, doing some things that work and see if they can stop it before you sort of outthink or try to outthink the opponent and, and, and maybe do some of this 11 personnel with, and, and I'm with you. I, I very much thought that, listen, Devante was going to be the one, I thought MVS and Alan Lazard would be more of like a platoon type situation, dependent upon the scenario. And then I thought we'd see Cobb and and uh, Amari is in as like your traditional slot guys with Cobb being more the receiver and uh, Rogers being more like the Tyler Irvin gadget guy that we saw. I thought that would be a very easy way to deploy these five receivers, but it didn't seem like there was much of a rhyme or rhythm. Now again, Green Bay got so quickly out of their um, their normal playbook and philosophies that it's it's tough to tell what they wanted to eventually accomplish. I do think Matt LaFleur usually does a pretty good job of showing some stuff early and then countering with completely different stuff or countering stuff off of what he did in the first half later. And all of a sudden when you're down, you know, 24 to seven, whatever it was, you know, all that stuff goes completely out the window. Right. But overall, I thought there were like, this was just such an uncharacteristic Matt LaFleur game from so many different standpoints. That was a big one. The no timeout before the end of the first half, where it just seems so obvious, like give Aaron Rodgers two minutes, you know, basically two minutes with the ball. Instead, they drain it all the way down to about a minute 14. There was yeah. the fourth down uh, situation in the second half where it was fourth and two and they do play action out of a power formation. And nobody in the world thought that they were going to run in that scenario. Like if it was fourth and inches, fourth and one, maybe, but like two, yards you're not going the green bay packers with aaron Rodgers are now running power in that scenario especially down however many points they were of course the ravens just play it for the pass and you know they said mercedes lewis fell down yes but there's a guy waiting for him there's a guy waiting for Devonte. it was just a really bizarre game for matt lafleur and one that we haven't really seen from him all that much yeah, it seemed like they they were really well schooled on what Green Bay wanted to do, and and they yeah. tried to run that that boot action um, to to get that the tight does. end out, and and the Saints twice had that totally smothered. Even if I thought on the first one, Rodgers looked like he was playing a little late, a little out of rhythm, um, not getting the ball out quickly enough. I I wasn't going to ask you about it, but now now that I'm thinking about it, I I want to ask you about it. Tim Boyle. <laughs> well, see, this is the this is part of your brand here. So Jordan Love did not play last year. It was not active last year because your guy, Tim Boyle Laser Show, was QB2. Jordan Love gets in this game and and makes a couple throws. Anything, nothing? What did do, do you have a take? Or are you just like, yeah, it happened and and like whatever, it's fine. I, I'm not thinking about it. No, I thought it was a net positive for one, him to get snaps two for him to just go in and a regular season game, kind of feel it out. Now I, I do feel like they at let that him play point, too, they let him sling it. They did. I do feel like at that point, basically a preseason game broke out. Like it wasn't, it was very vanilla from the saints defense. It's not like the same, you know, regular season guys that are in there. So it was basically like a preseason game at the end of a regular season game. But that being said, I thought a couple of the throws were really nice. Again, I thought he commanded the huddle. Well, nothing looked too big for him. Yes. He had the fumble and, but the, the whole play was a mess and I'm willing to have a lot more accident forgiveness in that sort of situation. But uh, overall, I think it was a net positive that a, he got the experience and B uh, he made the most of it. He made a couple of the, the throw of the cover two beater that Lazard just barely couldn't hang on to. I thought that was a nice throw, throw to Cobb, throw to Amari. Like he strung together some really nice passes. 
Yeah, the, the Amari Rogers one was the one that stands out to me because it was the first throw really of him breaking the pocket and making an accurate throw. And and that was, I mean, that was not an easy play rolling to his left. He makes a really nice throw. Let me let me get you out of here on this, Andy. Uh, a lot of ball game left, right? This is yep. there are 16 more games. So make what does the case look like for the Packers taking this game, as Devontae Adams said on Twitter, flushing it and moving forward? What is what does it look like? What, what, what could you see going better, getting fixed moving forward? Here's how I kind of look at the entire scenario, and especially after losing week one and knowing that only one team ends up ultimately getting, you know, the bye week and, and things like that. And especially when you look at the fact that the NFC North is playing the NFC West, who went four and zero. We also saw that they, you know, they're also going to play the AFC North, which Steelers, Browns, Ravens, like even Bengals, got to win over the Vikings. I think, I think the NFC North's going to get hammered fairly hard. I think Green Bay is ultimately. Still, unless things just go catastrophically wrong, I think they're going to win this division by at least a couple games would be my guess. Even after that beatdown uh, we saw, I, I still think Green Bay is the heavy favorites to win the division. I don't think they're because, again, their schedule lost week one. I don't think they're going to be in play for probably that number one seed in a bye, which ultimately means if, if those two things are true, if they are, in fact, the favorites and they are, in fact, probably not going to get the number one seed in that situation, you have the next 16 games to prepare for the postseason. You're going to probably have a home game to begin with. And then you know that everything after that is going to be very difficult, no matter what the situation or scenario is. This is an all-in last dance sort of season. So you have you have to win. So you like you can't lose to Detroit and you have to start picking up some wins along the way. But the majority of this season should be figuring out what works best for this team. What you know, what players need to be in the right positions? Should it be an Eric Stokes? Should it be a Kevin King? Should it be a John Runyon Jr.? Should it be a Lucas Patrick? What schemes work best? Do we need to blitz more? Do you need to count on your front four more? Like all of those things should be in play to make it the best, most optimal team come January and February. Because I, again, I wholeheartedly believe that this team will win the division. I wholeheartedly believe that that's what matters. And I think the rest of this is basically it's a 17 game preseason. As, as weird as that sounds, I think that's what it's ultimately going to be. And hopefully they're prepared come January and February when that time comes. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's hard for me not to, not to feel like that played a role here, right? That this is a team that knows they are playing for one thing, one thing only, and that's January. Yeah. And that they, they know that they're good. They know that they're going to be fine. You come out, you don't have the necessary intensity to, to match another team who's hungry, who's got something to prove maybe more than maybe more than you feel like you do. I, I, that I feel like that played a role in, in how flat they came out because this this game eh, doesn't doesn't matter as much as what happens in November, December, January. Andy, thanks for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. And uh, we will we will talk soon. I uh, can't wait, man. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks to Andy Herman for being on the show. Great to talk to him. A lot more still to come this season on Expert Tuesday. We are excited about everything that we have to bring you uh, and some some things I unfortunately cannot tell you about yet, uh, but, but rest assured, they are exciting. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the car parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? 
You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. So why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Today's episode is also brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for, you know, the other stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all your entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get all of your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite shows, sports, movies, all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. And betting on the Packers doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get your daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by Bet Online wherever you get podcasts. All right, we're going to be back tomorrow. Of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to have a lot to say on Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the Pat McAfee Show. Lily Zhao from Fox 6 in Milwaukee will be back for Zhao You Doing. We will break that down and figure out what's next with the Packers and the Detroit Lions. An extra day to talk about it and figure this out for the Green Bay Packers. And you hope they make good use of that time because if they don't, it's going to get ugly fast. It's going to get ugly fast. I, I have faith that they will do it, uh, but they have some adjustments to make. They have an attitude adjustment to make, I think, first and foremost. So uh, hopefully they are able to right the ship this week. They're saying all the right things. Now they have to go out and do all the right things. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to The Leap. Subscribe to Locked on Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. Subscribe to us on YouTube, where we are streaming right now. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920 341-3775 to stay locked on Packers.